Good morning. This is Pastor Todd. Thank you for tuning in to the Gathering Place podcast. This week, a guest speaker is going to bring a special message for the church. Here is this week's special message. A new series in Titus that you lead and guide him. Guide his mind, guide his mouth to speak your heart and your words. And Lord, guide our ears to hear what you would say to your church this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Todd. It's so good to see you all today. It's good to see your beautiful spirits and your bright, smiling faces. And uh, it's just so much fun to be here. Helen and I are, are here. And Helen is wearing her N95 today, so we'll see if that helps with uh, kind of the allergy things and all that as well. So, uh, so, yeah, but it's good to be here. It's good to fellowship again, to kind of join our hearts and spirits in the Lord. So it's so much fun to be here today. We're going to talk today about uh, Titus chapter 1. As Todd said, we're kind of starting out a new series, and I kind of titled it The Dynamic Leadership in the Church, right? And so Titus is going to to go through the whole whole process of thinking about that, but we're going to start out with chapter 1 today and how that works together. So Twilight, just try to do the best you can. I'm I'm not a person that follows the slides exactly, so however that works out is good. So, Titus, Titus and Paul. So, who was Titus? Titus was probably one of Paul's uh, younger men that Paul brought to the Lord. Probably a Roman father, right? We don't know if there was Jewish in there or not, but he's considered a Gentile. Because another place in the New Testament, Paul refuses to have him circumcised, even though the Jewish wing of the church was kind of trying to make him to say he's not a Christian unless he's circumcised like the Jews. Okay? So Paul kind of said, no, we have to, God is working way beyond physical circumcision. We're not going to focus on just that particular rite or thing that we're ceremony that we're doing. We're focusing on the spirit. God is after the spirit first. So Titus, I don't want you to be circumcised because we're going to establish you are a true, full Christian, period without circumcision. So, it's really interesting watching you know, Paul develop the next phase of leadership in the church through Titus. And probably the, probably the thing that came to mind was, you know, Titus' relationship to Paul is probably like Joshua to Moses, right? So, as you know, God was working with the people through Moses early on, it's like he was raising up Joshua to basically be the leader that would follow him to continue to guide and channel the people of God, to continue to be the person that God put in that place you know, of authority and responsibility in order to shepherd the people forward. And so it's really interesting that you know, uh, with, with, um, with Joshua, one of the key things that pops out when you look back through Exodus is it says, when Moses left the house, the, the temple of the Lord, because Moses would go into worship. And again, remember, Moses' face was glowing because he was so much in the presence of God that it just exuded from his pores, right? There was so much power of God on Moses that it just exuded. And it says, when Moses left the temple, Joshua stayed behind because he didn't, basically, he didn't want to leave the presence of God, right? And isn't that just the nugget? Isn't that just the joy of being Christian, that we don't want to leave the presence of God? It's like we want to be in that place 
wherever that is for each of us. You know, whatever it is we have going on that day, you know, doing, doing mother things, caring for babies, doing work. It's like organizing our house, right? Meeting with someone else outside the house, visiting somebody that's old, older and, and needs some support and care. It's like whatever it is, you know, investigating in hobbies that really re rejuvenate you in the Lord as well, right? All these things that are so important to us. It's like, it's like being in the presence of God is just the center. It's just the nugget. It's the gold in the middle, right? It's the joy. It's the beauty. It's the love. It's the power. And so it's, it's really fun to watch, you know, when, when you're reading through Exodus. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a bit of a hard slog, but for the Old Testament, it's really vibrant because God is showing himself to Moses all sorts of places to the people, right? And there's just a lot of things going on. But when you're reading it, just kind of watch Joshua and watch God kind of elevate him. And it even says in there that, that when Moses went up with the 72 before he got the Ten Commandments, he took 72 elders up on the mountain, and it said they, they had food. They broke bread in the presence of the Lord. And it's like it talks about the, 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 the floor was like a bright blue sapphire, reminiscent of Revelation where it talks about the heaven being, you know, being very similar, right? And so there obviously was a huge manifestation of the presence of God at that point. But Joshua was with them, actually. He was with the elders. And so it's like God is always, always generating new leadership, right? He's always and always generating new people, new men, new women, too, to step up into God's presence and to therefore then be the ones that are able to help shepherd the people of God forward, you know, to reflect his presence and his power. So incredible stuff. So that's the background for Titus. A Gentile, fully Christian, you know, probably converted in, under Paul's ministry, and now stepping into leadership as they move forward. So what's going on in Titus? What does it say? Well, it says in there that, that Paul left Titus in Crete. So Crete is a big island in the Mediterranean, kind of south of Greece. Right, Byron? Mm -hmm. Have you visited Crete, Byron? I've been to Crete. Been to Crete? Okay. Is it similar to Greece, then kind of mountainy and kind of hilly and pasture, goats and sheep yeah. and stuff? All that stuff. Okay. So Crete is kind of down there, agricultural, kind of rocky, mountainy, all that good stuff. And so it's just below, just below Greece. So Paul says he left him there. Now, Paul went up into the west coast of Greece. It talks about the name of the town, Nicopolis, I think. And I think it's a seaport. I don't know if it's a big city anymore. I don't think it is. I think it looked pretty small to me on the current maps. But it's kind of on the west coast. So they're not far away. And Paul kind of invites him to rejoin him, you know, if he's able after he does what he, he needs to do in, in Titus. So what's the goal? Okay, what's Paul's goal in Titus? What's he thinking about? He's, he's thinking about overcoming the corrupting leadership in the church in Crete. So they basically had folks that were in charge that by the accounts that we're, we're seeing here through Titus, folks that were more focused on their own gain than they were on shepherding the people of God to grow and get into a better place. Now, how, how sad, how sad this is, right? How sad. And, 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 and maybe some of these people were operating out of, out of needs and, and woundedness and places where they'd been hurt and damaged before, and they were now trying to step into leadership, but in, but in a unhel very unhealthy way. Others of them may have been deliberate, right? They may have been you know, fleecing the, the children of God. They may have been telling lies and, 
and representing things that they were, saying they were Christian and believing, and they weren't. And they were after money, they were after power, they were after all the things that the people of the world go after, right? All the things that in this world are a temptation and, and an invitation to us. So, but the, but the leadership is there, and, you know, in the church of God, we're always trying for the best we can in God. That's our, that's our joint goal. Our goal together is to be as pure in the Lord as we can, to be as powerful in the Lord as we can, to work into that process. And so, Paul's goal is to overcome the corrupting leadership in the church in Crete. And what is the why then? Well, the why, as always, is so the glory of God can be revealed, right? We, we talk about specific programs in our, in our church down here. We talk about, you know, we talk to each other. We have relationships. We share advice, thoughts, concerns. We share where we're at. We talk about things. We pray about things, right? All these things are important. And, and, the, goal, and, and the why behind it is we want to reflect the glory of God. We want his presence, his power, and his mercy and grace and his love to be seen in this place. And so, and so Paul's ultimate goal is, again, way beyond selfishness. It's into, we just want to have the presence of God be revealed. We want his glory, his freedom, his love, and his mercy to be known. So, in this particular case, what's, what is the how? Well, the how is, is Titus, although he is young, is to use his powerful righteous life in Jesus to appoint new leaders in Crete to glorify God in the church, right? So that's Paul's charge to him, okay? So it's a bit of a, bit of a t- tall charge in a way because, because when you come from the outside into a new church of believers, well, first, I guess there, there's, there's really good things and bad things. He has the cred of being Paul's disciple and very close to him. So that's an incredible pro, an incredible positive. He, he has automatic cred with those churches. The people that knew Paul and loved Paul had heard of him, so he had credibility immediately because of that. At the same time, he comes in as a younger person, and, that, and, and oftentimes younger people are still learning, and so there's not an, a deference to younger people automatically, and that's correct. The older, wiser people have been through a lot more. They've seen it. And when they love God thoroughly, it's like there's incredible power in their wisdom and judgment and their leadership. And so, and so God loves old, old, wise people, more experienced wise people. It's just how it goes. And our culture loses a ton by focusing on the flashy, photogenic influencers on the media and everything now. Our society loses a huge amount by focusing on the immediate, the sensual, right? The senses, the beautiful, the young, the vital, and all these things. Because young people often are stupid. Okay? Let's just be let's just be frank about it, right? It's like it's like no, I mean it it, it I mean it, it it's 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 you you operate on emotion, you operate on your on your hormones when you're young, you operate in these these different areas. And it, it usually bad decisions can be made when you're young, right? So I, I say it in that way. I don't I don't I don't mean to mean, demean people, but I'm just trying I'm trying to make you know get the point across. And I think you're getting it. You got it. Okay. So it's like, and even Juan would agree. I think he's probably the youngest in here, right? Yeah. See. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. If it's not right, you don't do it. 
So, so, so again, for Titus to step into these things is, is not an automatic. And yet, through his righteous life and, and the things that needs, need to happen, it's like, it's, it's, it's great for him to be able to do that. So that's really fun. And, and Byron has always been, been good at, at encouraging and supporting younger people to really step up into the ministry, right? I remember when, when you were doing the, the Wednesday night stuff, you would often have young people preach or not really preach, but more share, probably, share with the direction, you know, towards the Lord and all this stuff. And a Todd, is a, Todd is a result of that, Kara, you know? And, and so it's like in other, and, and, and other folks that have gone out to be missionaries and, and different things. And so, and so there, there's incredible power in this, in this place. So let's look at what, he was, what he's teaching now. So the first point, and we're going to close here in about at, before 11.30, just so we have time for the, the stuff. So, so we'll go a little, little fast here, but not, I think, too much. So the first point we're going to make is quality leadership. All right, so why don't you go to the scripture for us then, Twyla. So Titus 1, starting in verse 5, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. So we'll come, we'll come to, to more later, or if you want to read Titus, there's more in there. But you pretty much reverse all the things that are listed, right? So you, you, we try to be blameless. Obviously, nobody's perfect. We get that. God gets that. But, but if the thrust of, of the person's desire is to be perfect. If the thrust is to honor God and to figure out how to grow and mature in that, then that's admirable and that's awesome and that's to be followed and to be emulated, right? So, not overbearing, so respectful, listening, caring. Yes, decisive, for sure, at the right places, but not decisive in things that are not essential. You know, involving Involving the, the strength and energy and wisdom of everybody, trying to get as many people to, moving together forward in a positive way, bringing, letting all the strengths rise up in, as well in the people, and all the other leadership rise up in them. So trying to be decisive in the right places, but not decisive in, in medium and, and non-essentials, but to build the community to go forward together well. Not quick-tempered. So again, it's like when someone comes emotionally and, and, and angrily at you, it's like it, the, the immediate response is not to defend or fight back, but to, to analyze, to think about it, to try to calm the situation, deal with what's really going on, right, and bring God's perspective into it. Now again, a lot depends on how that person approaching wants to end, you know, respond to it, but, but, but we're only responsible for our response. We're not responsible for what they're saying to us, right? So it's like, so we want to be not quick-tempered, not reacting back, but listening, hear, trying to hear, and then responding with wisdom, giving them a chance to kind of calm down and let God be in the picture. And, then, and that's the way to go forward because that's what's going to benefit the Lord and benefit us in the community. So that's, that's good leadership. <clears throat> um, not given to drunkenness, so not a person that has to go out and find stimulation in drinking or drugs or sex or overeating or whatever it is. 
the internet, whatever it is, that they have to have that in order to feel okay because they're medicating a deeper issue if that happens. It's true of all of us. If, if we have to have that thing that distracts us, right? If we've got to have it, then that there's, there's an issue. There's a deeper issue in our spirit and our soul. And we, have, we want to address that first. That needs to be the address, right? The woundedness or pain or unforgiveness or whatever it is that's going on there. So, not given to drunkenness. Not given to having to distract themselves to avoid the things that are really going on in a situation. Not violent. So, basically, not a person that responds to try to control other people by violence and not pursuing dishonest gain. So this, this is a big one, right? So not trying to take something from people that's not, that's not given or offered or, or given back. So not trying to grab money, not trying to get money in a bad way, not trying to get pride, prestige, or anything else, right? So a person that is, is thankful for what God has given them, the yes, they can be diligent in, in, in working and earning more and doing good things, but it's earning more. It's not trying to take from other people, right? In that way. So, this, these are some of the characteristics of quality church leadership. And so when we're sitting and kind of thinking this through, these are the kind of people that we want to emulate and we kind of we want to respect, we kind of want to, want to be followers of. So this is good. So, so the power of God comes into these, these eternal things. These things are eternal. They're rooted in God's nature in eternity. So even though our culture is, is, gets kind of wacko on a lot of things, right? It's like we still are rooted in that, in that the, the eternity of what God is saying in these qualities of leadership. Because he is the epitome. He is the, the pinnacle of these good things. And so we are simply going back to be in his presence to let that, let that come through who we are. We're not having to generate these things all on our own, right? In human power, that doesn't work. But we're simply letting God's presence be in there and letting his power move through us to really be, to bring these things to, into, into, into existence and to, to be built up as we go forward. So number two, strength to oppose error. So the second thing that, that, that Paul is really, is, that I'm really pulling out of here as kind of a principle is strength to, to oppose error. And so Paul is really stepping in here. So, so the church is not a namby-pamby, just anything goes type thing, right? That doesn't work that way, right? Now, we want to be hospitable and caring and, and sensitive and listening, and we want to have people free to speak their mind, but in the end, we want to be proclaiming the gospel, not just a free-for-all for everybody to come in and, and do whatever, especially those that have bad motives, right? So it's not a free-for-all. So let's talk about, let's, talk, let's see what Paul looks at here in terms of rebellious people. So Twyla, go ahead to the next one. For there, are many, for there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group. So let's just let's stop down here. So, so again, what he's referring to technically again here is, is there, were, there were people that were remembering, often Jewish Christians that were Jewish. Because again, God revealed himself through the Jews, so they're very important and they remain that way. But they were basically saying that, that to, be, to be a full Christian, to follow Jesus, you have to be circumcised and kind of follow the Mosaic law. Now, let's, let's kind of dig into this a little bit here. So, you have to be circumcised. You have to have your, you know, your foreskin gone. Now, 
Paul is basically going has is arguing throughout the gospel that Gentiles are fully Christians too, and so that physical action is not needed. The physical action of being circumcised, you don't have to have that to be a full Christian. Yes, you can do it if you're Jewish, if you feel like you, you want to, fine, but it's not a requirement. And so Paul's going to defend that Gentiles are as fully Christians as Jewish people. And that's what we say. So that particular thing is not, is not crucial. Now, in terms of following God's law, the, the core of it is always crucial, right? We're always trying to follow the core of what God is saying. But to do it as a Jewish person, you don't necessarily have to do it the exact ways that they did it, okay? And so that's what Paul is saying. And so here he's basically starting to oppose these people that were coming in, basically saying, you've got to do Christianity exactly the way we tell you to do it, exactly the way we want to, or else you're not Christian. And Paul's saying, no way. He's going, no way. Jesus has saved you. You are saved. This is an awesome thing. Don't, you know, we're not going to let people that bring in their own human rules and put them on top of God's grace and mercy. We're not going to let them be the controlling voice. That's not going to happen. All right? Does that kind of make sense, or do you want me to expand this more? I mean, it's a little bit of a you know, theological technical point, but I think most, most, most of us have it. Because I think most of you have kind of thought about this and kind of reflected on these things or heard sermons and stuff, and so, and so that's, that's all good. They must be silenced, verse 11, because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. So Paul's kind of getting to the second thing that's really crucial is they're not doing it to really honor God. Because you know, when people are honoring God, you know, there are differences in, in, in how we approach certain topics or ideas. Not so much in the essentials, right, about Jesus and God and the Trinity and all, but more in practices, actions, and the smaller doctrines, right? And so though, and though, those are going to happen. We're, we're people. We have different, and we have different, different giftings from the Lord. But he's saying when a person comes in for dishonest gain, that's not a good thing. And so this, this is the kind of the place where we don't want to really be following these kind of leaders, and we want to try to be removing them in an up, up, upright, forward way. We want to remove them so that God's power and his purity is, is reflected in our church. Go ahead and go forward. One of Crete's own prophets had said it. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. Well, this guy... I mean, he says worse than I said about youth, doesn't, didn't he? I mean, he's, he's really getting out there. So um, this saying is true. So Paul is going, yeah, he's right. All right, and, and we're going to get something kind of fun in this in a second. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. So he's saying, if they're, I mean, if, if one of their own people has basically said, we're, we're pretty, pretty garbage people, then he says, be right up front in rebuking them sharply. In other words, be direct. Right? There's a time to be indirect, to, to, to talk about things in a very quiet way, to kind of indicate, well, there's another option in situations. But when, when people are really forthright and know what they're doing, and if they're wrong, the time is it's be direct to them. Nope, that's not right. This is how, this is how it should be. Right? That doesn't honor God the way you're doing it, what you're saying. It's like, this is how it should be done. And I'm going to tell you directly about it. Right? So, rebuke them directly, 
so that they sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and pay no attention to Jewish myths or the merely human commands of those who reject the truth. All right, so we'll, we'll come back to that um, in a little bit. Um, so I didn't keep it here, but Twyla, go ahead and go on to my next thing. Okay, so this, so the, the, the Cretan prophet was a guy named Epimenides from, from Crete, Cretia would probably be the Greek, on Zeus. So he's writing this little poem about Zeus, who's the head of the Greek gods. Now, really interesting here. They fashioned a tomb for thee, O holy and high one, the Cretans, always liars, evil beasts, idle bellies. Okay? So Paul quotes him there on the second, second line. But thou art not dead, thou livest and abidest forever. For in thee we live and move and have our being. Okay? So we see the quote here for, for Titus, but what does that last line remind you of? That's, that's part of Paul's sermon, one of his sermons in Acts. Right? So Paul is basically taking what has already been said by another poet and saying, no, the, the face of your God, the God that you're claiming to be Zeus, that's not him. The true God is, is God. And I'm going and, and to say your desire to worship, right, is, is mis... I mean, the desire is good, but you've misplaced it on Zeus. It should be on God, the God of the Jews, the God of Jesus Christ. So it's like, here's Paul doing the great apologetics, doing the great preaching, evangelism, you know, quoting their poet, right, in, di in two different places, basically saying, yes, he had the right idea. He just, he just didn't, it wasn't executed to the right God. God, you know, the God of the Jews, the one that raised Jesus from the dead, he's the one that's, that's the true God forever and in whom we live and move and have our being. So, but I thought it was interesting here. Because, because, you know, then there, there's these glimmers of God's eternality. And God's, because God's put, you know, echoes of himself and, and, and the remembrance of who we are from eternity in everybody's hearts, even pagans. And it's like there's often, the, um, there's often that call to God. And it's, it's, a huge, it's a huge drawer towards God in evangelism, right? It's that, that deep inner call, like, I need to be right with God. I need to have, I need to worship God. You know, I forget who it was, Todd. Do you remember who said we have a, a God-shaped vacuum in our, in our heart and until, until that's satisfied, we're never happy? Was that Augustine? No, Pensace. Pensace? No, yeah, I, I don't recall either. Maybe it'll come. What's that? Math uh, yeah. Pascal? Pascal. Yeah. Pascal. Yeah, it, that would be after them. So, yeah, so, and it, it, it's, it's a huge theme, right? It's like we're, we're bringing, you know, it's like that idea that God, that we need to have a God to worship, all of us. And it's like we're not happy until that is really filled by the true God. And so Paul is, is evangelizing that way. And of course, and that's part of our evangelization to people around us, caring for them, blessing them. It's like, you know, letting them see the living water to basically care for their hearts that are hurt, hurting and in, in a bad place. So this is a huge thing. All right, very good. So um, did I have any more scripture twelve on that one, or do we go to the next one? This one? Okay. So let's do the scripture before we get to kind of the key part here. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. Okay? 
In fact, both their minds and consciences are corrupted. They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Okay, and let's focus in on that first, first line, first sentence. This is the key, the key part of Titus 1. Okay? Purity leads to powerful living. To the pure, all things are pure. Okay? But to those who are corrupted and do not believe, nothing is pure. So, so, so if, you get, if you get two things out of, out of this, this chapter, this is, this is a key one. When you're living, focusing on God and trying to be pure, doing your best, everything around you can be used in a powerful, pure way for God. Okay? Everything you're doing can be used and, and cleaned and sanctified for the Lord, and it's like it, it, can be, it can be a joy. It's not a, oh, oh, if I do this, it's not good before the Lord, and um, do I have to follow this rule or that rule? Um, or, boy, I'm not sure this happened. Yeah, I mean, we go through those thoughts, sure, but we don't have to live in that place. It's like, no, I, I have the joy of doing the best I can today for God. It's like, I can step out and do anything that God is, is saying because I'm, I'm wanting to be pure, to reflect his heart, to love him, and so I have incredible freedom today. I have incredible freedom. I have incredible love. I have incredible power. I have incredible enthusiasm. This is a good day, even if it's gray and rainy outside, even if my job is, is in jeopardy. This is a good day because I have the creator of the universe, more precisely put, he is directing me and pushing me to be into greater places, right? But I'm choosing. I'm wanting to go along with him. This is a good day, period. This is a great day, period. Because if God is on my side, who can be against me? Well, we know that. We can't even really be against ourselves if God is on our side. <laughs> so, so, you know, if you get one thing out of Titus, it's like purity leads to powerful and authentic and sensitive and loving living. Right? Purity leads to powerful, sensitive, authentic, gentle, caring, loving Beautiful living. And isn't that what we're after? Isn't that what we're after? This is an awesome thing. This is a great day. This is a great day. So this is, this is, this is a, the great thing. And so, so this is what Paul is defending, right? To the pure, all things are pure. Yeah. This is what Paul is defending. He's defending the freedom of walking in the presence of God and letting God define us. Not letting what people say about us define us, even ourselves. Right? Yeah, I mean, those, are, those things are important, and we have to deal with them and process things and talk and be in community and talk about things and agree together and different things, yes. But you know what? God is the one who defines us. God is the one who defines us. That's the powerful thing. So, so if you are generating your life from Jesus, then external judgments and rules are only the surface. Only the surface. The core is the presence of God. The core is his love and generosity, grace, mercy, wisdom, everything you can say, add your word, add whatever word you want. And that, and that, 
comes through everything else to really surface in the worship and honor and blessing of the Lord. And this is the kind of leadership and the kind of people we all want to be because we're all leaders in our own sphere. We all have leaders, leadership. We're all leading in, in certain areas. So again, if you're generating your life from Jesus, then external judgments and rules are only the surface. You affect the people and world around you from the source of Christ. You are defined by him, not yourself alone or the world. Right? So we're, we're defined by God. He's the one that defines us. We're not defined by my own opinion of myself. Right? We're not defined by what the world says about us. The world says something and forgets it immediately. Because they're all in a tizzy about all sorts of things. Because they're having to fight to feel valued and cared for and loved. Because in, in some cases, they're rejecting God. Or they've forgotten him. Or they were never told about him. So they're all in a tizzy fighting for all sorts of things. But it's like, it's like we, we are living out of the center. We're living out of God's presence, God's love, God's care, God's mercy. And so all that comes through the, thing, through the things on the surface and surfaces so that people see us then as a beacon, a person that, that speaks truth and love and, and shows the presence of the Lord. And that's an incredible thing. So we as a church kind of are, are, are defined by that. It's kind of what we got together and said, kind of what's our, our very short motto early on? Well, we said presence, love, and power, right? So God's presence starts everything. You know, I was, I was laughing um, Kind of ironically, there's a church that we drove by. Um, I'm trying to remember what, what's the thing on their sign. It says, love people, do good. No, do good, love people, honor God. Something like that. They, they almost have it reversed. <laughs> it's like honoring God is first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, love God. So love God needs to be first. That God is first. God defines everything first. Then after that, it's like you try to love people, and then after that, you do good. Because, because you know, God is the one that defines what, what being truly good is, right? And, and so it's love God first, then love people, then try to do good. I mean, so it's it just, I was, I was, I was, I was kind of sad, actually. But it's an older denomination that, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't surprise me that that's out there. Um, I was glad they actually referred to God on their sign, to be honest. So it's kind of that, you know, kind of things. But, but, you know, for us here, you know, it's like we want God's presence, we want Jesus' love to come through us, and we want his power to be displayed. The power of the Holy Spirit, right? We want the power of the Holy Spirit to be displayed. So that's where we're at. That's where we're at. All right, so we got about three minutes here. So I just want you to close your eyes and think through if you want, if you want and ask the Lord one concrete thing for you this week to do. To, to reflect his presence more um, in your life. If there's, you know, if he brings to mind one thing uh, for you to do this week, then I want you to just kind of reflect on that. Um, reflect on that and think about that. And it's your choice whether you choose to, to want to do that or not. I mean, it's free. God, you know, salvation is free to us. God gives us his incredible promises, but we have to choose to want them and to step into them, right? So it's up to you. It's totally your call, but this is the opportunity to, to basically say to him. So let me pray for us. So, Father, I just pray for each of us here 
Um, everybody listening, Father, I pray actually for every church in this region, I pray that, that you would put one thing this week on our heart and mind to do that, that moves your kingdom forward, that reflects your presence in our life and in our communities. I pray that you put one thing on our heart and our mind, that you would give us that one, that gem for us to achieve and, and, and to, to receive the gem and, and, and the power of your love and your saying, well done, good job. You did a good job. Thank you for loving me. Father, it's like you, 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 you don't need us. You, you exist so far beyond us, it's incredible. But you love when, when we love to be loved by you. You love when... You love when, when we ask you to really love us and care for us. Um, we, you, know, you love when, when you want to be loved by us and cared for by us. So thank you for your mercy and your goodness, and we pray that you would put something incredible in our, in our lives this week that we can do to achieve you. Thank you for your power and your grace. Amen. So I just wanted to say, too, um, I just felt like the Lord was saying to me, and, and I, I don't see Betsy here today, but, but I just bless Betsy, and, I just, and, and the Lord's power beyond her in this situation with Wayne, and, and it just felt like the Lord was really calling her to mind today. And so I'm just kind of adding the prophetic in, to the prophetic section here from now, just saying may the Lord bless Betsy and keep her, and give her love and wisdom and power and grace and strength in this time with Wayne as well. So you can pass that on to her if, if you see if and when you see her. So so good to see all of you. This is Pastor Todd again. Thank you for listening to the message today. I pray the Lord uses it to strengthen your walk with God. If you were blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of the Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal at tgpchicago.org. Once again, that is tgp. Chicago.org. Our portal uses PayPal's secure site so none of your information is compromised. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the TGP podcast. God bless you and have a great week.